Hey, good morning, faith family. I want to say hello to those gathered in Lakeville. It was great being with you last week for your one-year anniversary. I want to also say hello to those gathered in venue. I'm going to invite all of you, if you would, turn to Galatians chapter 2. This morning, we're continuing in our Set Free series, and I'm excited about this morning. Uh, before we get there, let me just say, when you think about weeks like what we've had this week with what happened in Vegas and just things that continue to go on all the time, it's all the more reason why every week we need Jesus. It's why every single week we're about the gospel here at Berean. We're about pointing you to Jesus Christ. Because listen, I don't know what's going to happen this week. I don't know what's going to happen in the next few weeks. But I do know that you need hope, whatever comes. And that's why every week we're pointing you to Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in him. And so that's what we're going uh, to do today. And we've been in this series in Galatians uh, called Set Free, and we are after your freedom. We want you not just to know about freedom, we want you to live in freedom. Uh, emails like I got recently, and by the way, keep those testimonies coming in. But uh, I got this email that said, I didn't think this series was going to be very applicable to me at the beginning, but man, has God proved me wrong. Today at work, I made a pretty big mistake, and my first instinct was to cover it up. I've spent so many years trying to make myself seem perfect in the eyes of others, but I didn't realize how deep it ran until two weeks ago. So instead of cleaning it up myself and not mentioning my mistake to anyone, I took a deep breath, prayed, and confessed my mistake to my boss. And afterward, I felt free. Getting rid of all this people-pleasing instincts, I still have a long way to go, but I have started on my way. That's what this series is about. We want you, I want you, God wants us to live in freedom. And that's what Paul says at the beginning of Galatians, Jesus came to deliver us from the present evil age. He came to set us free, free from people pleasing, free from our past. Our God takes former lives and makes them changed lives. Amen. Uh, that's what our God does. And so we're looking at these issues that we need to start living in freedom. And man, this morning is a big one. I'm going to get in so much trouble. But what's new, right? This is so incredibly important. And so are you ready to dive in? Do you, do you want the soft version or do you want the full version? I didn't hear you, Lakeville. What'd you say? Lakeville said full version. So you're getting the full version. Here we go. Galatians chapter two, if you're able to stand in all of our locations, please do. Oh, this is so important. Galatians chapter two, starting at verse one. Paul's writing here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and here's what he says. After 14 years, I, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. Um, I went up because of a revelation and set before them, through private, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet, because of the false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery. To them, we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from, these, from those who seem to be influential now, what they are really makes no difference to me because God shows no partiality. 
But those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. In fact, on the contrary, when they saw that I'd been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, because he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked for us to remember the poor, the very thing we were eager to do. Very important passage. So let's pray, and I'm going to ask you to pray for me. Uh, I know many of you do that. Pray for me and pray with me. God, we ask now as we come to your word that you would speak to us. This isn't a talk. It's not a presentation. It's an encounter with you through your word. And we need to be set free. And so I pray that um, you will do supernatural things. I admit to you my inability to do anything eternal in this moment. That is beyond my power, but it's not beyond yours. So come, teach us, set us free in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I was deceitful. I was lost. And I had no hope. But I didn't know it at the time. At the time, I thought if I had more money, if I had more friends, if I was a little thinner, that I could solve the internal misery of my heart. Those were the words of Asina O'Neill. Asina was an Australian model who became a social media megastar. She had over a million followers spread across a variety of different social media platforms. She became uh, famous. She had all kinds of online endorsement deals. Um, she, um, uh, she looked like she had a life that was perfect and all together. And then out of the blue, out of nowhere, she shut it all down. She deleted her photos, she closed down the social media accounts, and the reason why she did it, I need you to hear this, she did it because she started to realize that she was becoming a slave to the social media culture. She started to realize that she was being held in bondage to the expectations that came with social media. Here's how she described it, quote, I spent ages 12 to 16, wishing I was someone else. And then from 16 to 19, constantly editing and self-promoting the best parts of my life, which turned out to a massive career, but it was based on how I looked ascetically, that is externally. But it wasn't real. It was contrived images and edited clips that were ranked against other people, and it consumed me. And I found myself trapped in a cycle that became lonely, hateful, jealous, and insecure. 
In other words, faith family, Asina started to realize something, and it's something we have got to realize today. She started to realize that she was becoming a slave to the very culture that she was absorbed in. And that happened so easily. In fact, I want us to think about ourselves with this kind of a metaphor. Many of us are like a fish that is swimming in the waters of culture, having no idea that we're in bondage to the bowl. We're swimming along in all kinds of culture, not realizing that we're enslaved to it. And for you, it may not be a social media culture. For you, it may be a denominational culture. If you want to be accepted in this church, you'd better do it this way. For some of you, it's a family culture. This is how our family has always done it. Some of you right now are in an educational culture where you have to make certain grades or graduate from certain schools or tell me this isn't applicable. The political culture. Huh. If you want to be accepted in this area, you had better check off all the boxes of this political party. What I'm saying, faith family, listen, is all of us, more than we know, are absorbed in culture. We're like that fish, and we're just swimming around, and we don't even know that we're in bondage. Now, I'm not saying that culture is a bad thing. Don't misunderstand me. What I'm saying is that culture can enslave us. If you don't believe it's true, just try to break free from one. Try leading change in a church. Or any organization, all right? Or, or try having a political conversation with somebody who's of a different political persuasion than you. Or ask Asina what happened to her when she stopped playing the social media game, and she will tell you that she received death threats, lost friends, and was called fake. You see, whether we realize it or not, culture can enslave us. And listen to me this morning, Lakeville Venue, everybody, it's time right now to get free. It is time for us to realize the culture that we're in and not necessarily say it's bad, but I'm not going to be a slave to that anymore. That's exactly what Paul addresses in Galatians chapter 2. Now this morning, I'm going to go fairly quickly through the text to lay a foundation, and then I'm going to spend a lot of time on application of bringing what's in this passage into our life. You ready? Let's do it. Paul first reminds the Galatian churches of a very significant meeting. Look at verse 1. He says, after 14 years, I went to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation set before them, and set before them, though privately, um, before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running in vain. So Paul is saying this. Now, he's continuing his argument that uh, the gospel that he has is not man's gospel. It's from God. You remember that from chapter 1? This isn't of man. It's all of God. Do you know how we know that? Because it was 14 years after my conversion before I ever went and met with the other apostles. 
If I needed man's approval, if this needed man's stamp on it, I would have had to have gone right away. But there was a 14-year gap before I ever met with him. And by the way, when I went, I didn't go because I got summoned to the principal's office. No, they didn't send me an email saying, Paul, you're in trouble. Get to Jerusalem. We need to have a talk. He says, no, when I went, I went because of a revelation from God. Don't you see? None of this was of man. It was all of God. But even though Paul is confident in his calling, he understands that this meeting with the apostles is going to be very important. Now, you've got to hang with me because this foundation is critical. Paul knows that if there is disagreement among the apostles, it's going to have implications for his ministry. It's why he says to make sure that I'm not running in vain. He doesn't mean I need their, uh, they, I need them to authenticate me. He's saying, if we disagree, it'll be a roadblock to my ministry. Do you know why? Because everywhere I go, they're going to say, you know, Peter doesn't agree with that. You, you know, James doesn't agree with that. And so this is going to impact my ministry. And so this is a very important moment. Is the cross going to reign or is culture going to reign? And you can begin to feel the suspense building and what happens next is amazing. Verse 3. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Hallelujah, praise God. Why aren't you clapping? I know Lakeville and Venue, they're clapping right now. And I heard amens all the way from there. There's no response whatsoever from you from that. Why? Because that's not a verse that really seems all that significant, isn't it? I've never seen a Christian coffee mug, a Christian t-shirt, or a Christian bookmark with that verse on it. <laughs> never had anybody at Berean come up to me and say, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. What I was studying in my morning devotionals, I came across the most profound thing. Did you know not even Titus was circumcised? <laughs> Never had that conversation. Why? Because we don't find it significant. Honestly, we read right past it. But do you realize the implication of that verse? What this means is that uh, Titus wasn't brought under the customs of Judaism because he was free in Jesus. They didn't say, well, I know you're a Greek, but guess what? You got to be like a Jew in order to get Jesus. To take it a step further, it is saying that salvation is not Jesus plus something else, like the Judaizers were saying. It's Jesus alone. Two amens. Lakeville, I'm glad you're amening a lot, all right? It's, this is the gospel. We didn't have to add anything to Titus. His faith in Christ was enough. It's a sign of unity. There was this very important meeting that took place and they were united. And the first sign of their unity is they looked at Titus, who's not a Jew, and said, you're fine simply by your faith in Jesus. Now the unity continues. Look at verse 6. Again, just laying the foundation. And from those who seem to be influential, uh, now what they are really makes no difference to me because God shows no partiality. That's not a dig. Paul's just saying, listen, uh, we're all equal in Jesus. 
right? These, these men have special roles, but they're not in any way more important to God. God doesn't show partiality. Keep reading. Those I say who seemed influential, they added nothing to me, that is, to my ministry. In fact, on the contrary, verse 7, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the Gentiles, the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted to the gospel with the Jews, the circumcised, in fact, they recognized that the one who was at work in Peter for his apostolic ministry was also at work in me. Verse 9, and when James and Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Do you see what's happening here? There was this unbelievable significant meaning, a meeting, and what happened there was a sign of unity. Number one, nothing was added to Titus. Number two, nothing was added to Paul's ministry. Number three, they recognized that the God who is at work in him is also the God that's at work in them. And then number four, they extended the right hand of fellowship. Do you see it in the text? Unity, 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 unity in the gospel. We are not going to bring the gospel underneath a culture. The, co the gospel is bigger. The cross is bigger. Jesus is bigger than any culture. Do you see that in the text? So there's one more observation, number three, that I want you to see. Not just the significant meeting and not just the sign of unity, but this is why Paul has such a steadfast ministry. Look at it in verse four. Yet because of false brothers, that's the Judaizers, secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that, here's why they were doing it, so that they would bring us back into slavery. To them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Do you see what Paul is saying? It's because we were united in the gospel that I'm not budging at all when it comes to the gospel. I mean, he is channeling his inner Tom Petty, God rest his soul, right? Uh, I won't back down. I'm, I'm not giving an inch to these Judaizers. Why? Because our unity is in the gospel. And man, if you slip from that, you are going back into slavery. So Paul is passionate. He's fired up. It's why he's writing with the language that he's writing. It's why I get the way I get, because I want your freedom. I, I want to illustrate the passage here this way. This is what's going on. Uh, imagine this, this little uh, uh, pig, if you will, is the, uh, the Galatian churches. And along comes the Judaizers trying to sneak in and slip up on them to take them captive. And all of a sudden, here comes the Apostle Paul. <laughs> Not in my church, right? Not my baby. You ain't getting my baby, right? That's Paul. That is exactly what's happening in the text. The Judaizers are all, oh, we're going to get it. And Paul's coming at them like, oh, no, you don't. Not on my watch. I love it. I love it. This is the heart of a pastor, isn't it? Right? Guarding the flock and shepherding uh, the people of God and saying, we're not going to back down on the gospel. So that's the text. A significant meeting, right? Paul and the other apostles, followed by signs of unity. 
which is why Paul has such a steadfast ministry. It's why he will not give an inch when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel cannot be enslaved to a culture. Now, I'm going to spend the next few hours of our time together uh, unpacking what this actually means for us. Now, I trust I've been faithful to the text, so now let me from this bring it into our life to show us why we desperately need to be free. And this is where I'll probably get in trouble, but that's all right. Here's the first application I want us to see is that we have to understand that Christians are free culturally. Let me unpack this. Christians are free culturally because what, it, what is seen in the text is that the gospel is not a Jewish gospel. It's not a Gentile gospel. Y'all with me? In fact, look at, here's a good summary of it. Go to Galatians chapter three and verse 28, or you'll notice it on the screen. Paul says, there's neither Jew nor Greek slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now that does not mean there's no, diff- there's no roles anymore in society or relationships. Paul's just saying, listen, males or females don't have any stake on the gospel. Jews or Gentiles don't have any stake on the gospel. Slave or free, they don't have any uh, stake on the gospel. We're all one in Jesus. There's no culture that is supreme. What that means is this. You can't reduce the cross to a culture. Now, I'm getting some amens this morning, and I love it, but this is probably where I'm going to lose some of you. I don't know, might gain some of you. It's why when I see things like this, I want to scream. Or even worse, this. That makes me nauseous. Why? Because the cross is not a symbol of American culture. It's a symbol of God's kingdom. Now, some of you are thinking, how dare you be so unpatriotic? Do you even know me? I'm from Tennessee, brother. The volunteer state, the two things we were raised to do is salute the flag and support the troops. And if you don't believe that about me, you don't know me. This is not a statement of patriotism. What I am saying much more than being born in America or Tennessee is that I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the last time I read Revelation chapter 5, gathered around the throne is every nation, tribe, and tongue. And in that day, ain't no nation going to pledge allegiance to any flag. We will sing one song, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Because you can't reduce the cross to a culture. Jesus is greater than that. Now, don't misunderstand me. My inbox is going to be full this week. That's why God sovereignly ordained the delete button, all right? (laughs) At least that's my theology. You got to hear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. Love your country. Have political views, of course. But please, for the sake of the gospel, don't be enslaved to them. Be free in Jesus. Because he's bigger than any culture. Here's the second thing. 
You said you wanted the full version. Christians are free racially. Don't you see the gospel's not a Jewish gospel? It's not a Gentile gospel. It's not a white gospel. It's not a black gospel. It's not an Asian gospel. The gospel is red, yellow, black, and white because all are precious in his sight. You can clap for that. That's fine. It's, sometimes I'm like, you know, either clap or it's like. Listen, you can't, oh my goodness, you can't reduce Jesus to a skin color or an ethnic background. It's why the white Christians in the 1800s that were trying to use the Bible to suppress black slaves were actually the real slaves because they had become a slave to the idolatry of their skin color. But praise God, hallelujah, that Titus, the Greek, wasn't made to be like a Jew, which means whatever race you may be, you can be set free in Jesus Christ. We are free from that. Here's a third one. Christians are free denominationally. Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, yes, he did. Christians are free denominationally. You see, I'm going to sit down for this one. Uh, The Judaizers, now we're having fun. The Judaizers would have said it this way. You ready? Here it goes. Well, of course the Gentiles can be Christians. Nobody's saying the Gentiles can't be Christians. What we're saying is they just have to be our brand of Christian. You know, the Jewish kind. As long as they follow our traditions, we don't have any problems receiving them, but they got to be like us, which sounds a lot like today. Well, of course you can be a Christian as long as you're a Baptist one. And I say that as somebody who's been a Baptist all my life. I'm the Baptist born, Baptist bred, and when I die, I'll be Baptist dead. You know, I'm kind of one of those, all right? (laughs) But listen, I, I got, I, I'm, I'm bearing my soul to you. I have come to the point of realizing even with all that tradition and heritage that I grew up in, and I'm thankful for, that I will not be enslaved to that. I will honor that, but I won't be a slave to it. Or for some of you, it may be, of course, you can be a Christian as long as you're a Lutheran one. Whatever that means, all right? It's like, as long as you look like us, then you can be accepted in our tribe. But you can't reduce the gospel to a denomination. Now, I am not suggesting that we compromise our convictions. Here's what I'm saying. Lakeville Venue, everybody listen, because I'm choosing this language carefully. What I'm saying is that anybody in any denomination, are you listening? That is looking to Jesus alone for their salvation is a brother and sister in Christ. And again, that language is specific. Any denomination that's looking to Jesus alone for their salvation, they're a brother and sister in Christ. 
John MacArthur writes, pride promotes exclusivity, humility promotes unity. We cannot embrace those who claim to be in Christ, but do not preach the true Christ. But on the other hand, we must embrace all those who claim the true Christ, regardless of what organization they belong to. Or as Warren Weir writes, uh, those who think their group is the only group that God recognizes are in for a shock when they get to heaven. I just want to see their facial... You're here? <laughs> hey, listen, listen, listen. Love your denomination. I got no problem with that. But for heaven's sake, don't be enslaved to it. Be free from the culture. Here's a fourth one. Christians are free ministerially. Christians are free ministerially. In fact, look at verse 9. I'll show you where I I get this from. It says, when uh, James and Cephas, that is Peter and John, who seem to be pillars, they perceived the grace that was given to me. They gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. Do you see what's happening in that text? We agree on the gospel. Everybody right here. We agree on the gospel, but we're perfectly fine doing different ministries, different ways to different people. In fact, we praise God for that. Praise God that He is using different people in different ways, in different ministries, reaching different people, people that we might not ever be able to reach. Praise God for that. Amen? It reminds me of that episode in Luke chapter 9 when the disciples run up to Jesus and they are so proud. Their chest is stuck out like, Jesus, you're going to give me a button for what we just did. Look at it on the screen. John chapter 9, verse 49. John answered, Master, guess what? We saw somebody that was casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he didn't follow with us. He didn't know the secret handshake. We asked him for the password. He didn't know it. So we shut him down. You are going to be so proud of us, Jesus. Come on, go ahead and give me my hug. And here's what Jesus does. Verse 50. But Jesus said to him, uh, do not stop him for the one who is not against you is for you. Preach Jesus. What Jesus is rebuking there is ministerial pride. The idea that they don't do it your way. They're for us, they're with us, but they do it in a different way. And listen, last time I checked, demon in a person bad, demon cast out of a person good. (laughs) You don't need a degree in theology to at least get that right. And yet we fight and fight and fight over, do you do it my way? I want to kind of give an example of this and... um, Uh, Also, just give you some great news as a faith family. Let me encourage you with some news and then uh, tell you just a quick story. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Outreach Magazine and Lifeway Research every year puts out uh, the top 100 fastest growing churches. And uh, we were informed this year that we made the list, which was much to my shock. We weren't even looking for this. We didn't even know this was happening uh, until we found the news. And so I'm thinking, okay, uh, 80s. 70s, you know, somewhere in the latter 50s. So I'm blown away when we found out that Brian was actually the 10th fastest growing church last year. Praise God. That's 
incredible. And you can go online and read the article or get the magazine. And for those of you that are like, you're, you're bragging, you know, just you're, you're all about numbers. Well, here's the thing. Those numbers have faces and they're yours. That's all I'm going to say about that. But seriously, those number, we're not about the number. We're about the fact that that number represents a life that's being impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I tell you, I'm free from people pleasing. And so I'm not going to apologize for praising God for what he's doing. So I want to encourage you with that, but then also say that to set up this story. They invited the, the pastors of those hundred churches to come out last week and to kind of have a roundtable discussion about what's been going on in your church and what's been working and what hasn't been working. And, and it was just incredible to have that conversation. And I remember sitting there thinking several times, there's no way we would do that. There is not a chance in the world that would work at Berea and they would fire me in a heartbeat. And I also remember thinking this, but praise God that he's using you. Praise God that you're not like us, but yet we're committed in the gospel. And it's okay, because just because it ain't like you doesn't mean it isn't true. Love your approach to ministry, yes, but for heaven's sake, don't be in bondage to it. Are you starting to see how this applies to us and all the different cultures that can enslave us? But let me give you one more as kind of a clarification for those other four. Here's the fifth one. But we are not free doctrinally. What I'm not saying, like it would be easy at this point to be like, yes, pastor, amen, unity. I've been waiting for somebody to preach this kind of message. We, we need to just gather around the campfire and sing kumbaya and just all get along. But that's not the context of this book, is it? Paul is not singing kumbaya. Look at uh, chapter 1 and verse 8. Look at it. It says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. How's that for kumbaya? And next verse, as we have said before and now say again, if anyone's preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Do you see what Paul is saying? We're not going to give up the gospel for the sake of unity because the gospel is our unity. It's why the apostles agreed the way they agreed. It wasn't methodology, but it sure was message. We are united in the gospel, and that's why we will not compromise it. We're not, in all the things that I've just talked about, suggesting compromising the Word of God. In fact, churches that compromise truth for the sake of unity end up getting neither truth or unity. So this isn't some kind of no more convictions or being grounded in the Word. No, it's all the more being grounded in the Word because this is our unity. It's in Jesus. We're free in those other areas, but we're not free to go away from Jesus Christ. In fact, we want to be slaves to Jesus. 
Now, I'm going to end with one more point, and this is, I couldn't finish this message without this point. So we've seen what the text says, I trust. We've seen how that then applies to the kind of cultures we live in and can be enslaved by. But now I want to answer this question. You with me? Why is this so important? Why is Paul so passionate about this? Why am I making such a big deal out of this? And the answer is critical. Here it is. This matters because those who are free from culture can do gospel ministry in any culture. Because those who are free from culture can do gospel ministry in any culture. Let me read you a verse and tell me if you see a problem with it. Listen to Acts chapter 16 and verse 3. Paul, same Paul in Galatians, wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. You hypocrite! Who do you think you are? You do this to Timothy, but you don't do it to Titus? You inconsistent apostle. Oh no. Oh no. There's a difference in context. Do you know, want, to, want to know what it was? One was addressing necessity. The other was addressing ministry. Let me explain. If you come to the Apostle Paul and you say, you got to be circumcised in order to be right with God, you got to be circumcised in order to be saved, Paul will say, no, and I will fight you to the death over that. I'm not compromising on the gospel. But if you come to him and say, I want to be circumcised so that I'm not a stumbling block in my ministry to the Jews, Paul will say, go right ahead. That's profound. Paul is saying, when it's addressed, you say I got to wear a suit and tie to be right before God? You say I got to do church a certain way to be right before God? Not a chance. But if I need to wear a suit in the first service and jeans in this one, okay. You see, we need to be free from culture so that we can do ministry in any culture. And when somebody's trying to attach the culture to the cross, no. But when somebody's simply trying to go under a culture so that they can do ministry in that culture, be my guest. It's what Paul says when he says, to the Jew, I became like a Jew. To those not under the law, I became like those not under the law. To the weak, I became like the weak. Why? That I might win some. Don't you get it? I'm not, who cares about what meat you eat or don't eat? Who cares what law you follow or don't law or don't follow? Don't you see? I'm free. But I'm free as a slave of Christ to do ministry for Christ. It is why Christian Republicans have a difficult time serving Democrats because they are enslaved to their politics. Or vice versa. 
It is why some people of certain skin color won't serve other people of other skin color because they are enslaved to their race. It's why some churches look down their nose at other churches because they are enslaved to their traditions. But Christians are not to be slaves to any culture at all so that we can do ministry in every culture to the glory of God. And you wonder why so many Christians in churches aren't making an impact for Jesus. You see, faith family, it's time to be free. Amen? Amen. It is time to be free. But I want you to know that I fear that many of us, like Asena, like the Judaizers, we are like that fish in the bowl, swimming in the waters of a culture, not realizing the entire time we're in bondage. And Jesus wants His people to be free. But listen to me as I close. Listen. Um, getting free is not going to be easy. Because if history has proven anything at all, it's that setting people free from their culture comes at a very high cost. But if the Son has set you free... You are free indeed. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we need your spirit to remove the blinders, to, to open our eyes to see the culture we're swimming in. For some, it is denominational. For some, uh, it is cultural. What, whatever it is, uh, Lord, would you reveal that to us this morning? Would you give us a ministry that is free? That's not fighting over Jew or Gentile, but that's just passionate about being faithful to the gospel and serving Jesus. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that right now you would bring to minds and hearts the the cultural bondage that is keeping us from doing ministry, from serving others from being who you've called us to be. So Spirit, do that. Reveal it in our hearts and set us free in Christ. We ask it in his name. Amen.